6.58 this morning, I got a phone call from Mike Hill, who had received a phone call about 30 seconds before that from Officer John Ramos, who is our resident security agent. We were told that there were three people in a, in a boating accident with three fatalities. Firm, um, Jose's address, uh, which we did, and it was the address that was found in in, in the uh, on 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 Jose. We uh, uh, first thing we asked was about his family and his mother and his grandmother, and they were having people from. Uh, fish and wildlife alert them of what had taken place. Mike and I tried to reach out to Jeffrey first thing. Uh, did reach him and he is on a plane headed down here to be with Jose's family. We then were able to reach Don at approximately 7.45 and uh, we came into the ballpark. As you see around you, there is no words to describe how this organization feels. Jose was someone who we've known since he was a, uh, a drafted young man. And uh, I think that when you, when you talk about a tragedy like this, there are no words that, that come to mind. There's no playbook. There's no words of consolation. There's prayer and there's thought toward his, toward his family, toward his his soon-to-be-born daughter, and you, you recognize that, how precious life is, how taking things for granted is, is a fool man's game. The words of David Sampson, the president of the Miami Marlins, relaying the tragic news today in the world of baseball that Jose Fernandez had passed away in a boating accident at the age of 24. This is Baseball Talk Radio and Baseball Talk Radio Show. And Rich, uh, Rich Baxter, uh, welcome to the show. You normally handle the duties, but you were so kind to let me handle this today. And just a sad, sad, tragic day for the world of baseball. Yeah, very sad. Terrible. Terrible. As we woke up this morning, of course, uh, all over the world, uh, reaction coming in. MLB Commissioner Rob Manford saying he was one of the great young stars who made a dramatic impact on and off the field since his debut in 2013. Thoughts and prayers are with him and his family, the Miami Marlins organization, and all the people he touched in his life. So, yeah. Uh, tragic news out of Miami, and as we uh, talked about a little bit before the show, Gary, it's just uh, how quickly life can change and uh, the aspects of accidents and things like that you don't foresee. And just a terrible news out of Miami this morning. Yeah, Rich, uh, and, and I think that, you know we come to the realization that Tom Hanks was wrong because there is crying in baseball, and it should be. On a day like today, very tough for the family. It's very tough for the Marlins family. Um, you know, it's especially touching in a way 
to us being National East fans, and and uh, yes, it's an enemy team, but you know you have to think. Um, you still have to think of the competitive nature and what he meant to that team and how that's going to change now that he's not in their future plans. And of course, that's something for down the road with their concern, but they have a fallen teammate now and uh, they're just devastated. You could see the looks of all the players that were at the press conference and the whole team was there. Uh, Don Manningly could barely speak about this. And uh, uh, just a very terribly sad day. He was scheduled to pitch actually tomorrow against the Mets. He was pushed back as the Mets fly into town. And uh, that is going to be a very tough game for both teams, especially the Marlins. It will be a very tough, uh, tough game for both teams to uh, participate in. Yeah, and two others on the boat actually passed away as well. Their names are being withheld until their families are being notified. Um, there was an article on uh, Fox Sports uh, with a little more information. The vessel was a 32-foot vessel. Uh, of course, it had a severe impact with a jetty in Miami, which leads to the point that uh, the vehicle or the vessel rather was going very fast. Uh, is what it says in this article. And it did not appear that alcohol was or illegal substances was being a factor in the crash as of right now. They did not find any containers apparently or anything like that. So uh, that's what we know so far uh, about the accident. And uh, as you said, these things just happen sometimes. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show back. Uh, Many years ago, in 1993, two Cleveland Indians pitchers and a third one was very badly injured in a boating accident. Also happened in Florida. Um, Steve Olin, who was 27 at the time, and a pitcher, Tim Cruz, who was 31 at the time, both killed in a boating accident on a lake in Claremont, Florida. And uh, Bobby Ojeda, third Indians pitcher, he had suffered some scalp injuries and serious uh, injuries, but he did not pass away. So, yeah, it's not not very uh, good news at all. Uh, the Marlins canceled their game against the uh, Braves today, understandably so, and they actually made a nice uh, memorial out on the mound and painted 16 on the front of the mound. And I believe uh, D. Gordon placed a Marlins cap right on the pitcher's mound as well as he went out there after the press conference was announced uh, officially by the Marlins this morning. But yeah, tragic circumstances. Apparently it happened at 3.30 a.m. Uh, overnight. And uh, shortly afterwards, there was a report uh, called in by the Coast Guard who then called the Miami-Dade police uh, because the vessel was actually at the end of the jetty Terrible, tragic circumstance down there, and you just wish things like this never happened. Certainly do, Rich, and of course it brings back memories of uh, the Thurman Munson uh, death, uh, crashing his his plane crashed on an off day trying to get home to see his family. He had learned to become a pilot, and 
uh, actually, I think, was flying a jet, and he wasn't totally qualified on a jet as of then, but he did have a co-pilot and, and, and a, a, um, a, a teacher, uh, but still uh, crashed a jet and died, and that was very sad as well. Uh, of course, the Ro Roberto Clemente, um, difference being with Roberto Clemente is that that was the, it was, happened in the off-season, so there was some time to grieve before the season started. Nonetheless, it was just as tragic as uh, anything else. And, and of course, uh, uh, Lyman Bostic and, and uh, Daryl Kyle, as well as uh, Corey Lytle, who died in a plane crash in Manhattan. Yeah, that was just shortly after uh, Lytle had left the Phillies. He went and joined the New York Yankees. And that, that was an odd type of uh, crash as well. Uh, in Manhattan, and I believe, uh, I don't know the end of that. Um, I think it was pilot error on that, but he was with a uh, well-respected pilot and a teacher as well. But apparently they weren't familiar with the air currents or something, you know, and that, uh, you know, the buildings of Manhattan have a lot of wacky stuff going, and, and why they were even going in that, uh, well, it, apparently it's a current, it's a route that, that a lot of them use, but um, just uh, very sad. And, uh, you know, when it's when it's such a big star of a magnitude of, of Jose Fernandez, one of the bright stars of the future, not only of the Marlins, but of baseball, and his um, effervescent personality, his love of the game, his love of not only Cuba, but of, of this country. You hear the tributes, uh, how much he loved being here and the freedom. Uh, and he also loved his homeland, which is understandable. Cuba, he still has some family there. His mother and his grandmother are here. And uh, no parent should have to outlive their child, uh, even a, a grandparent especially. So it's, it's a very... Sad day, and uh, some of the baseball teams have taken upon themselves. The Mets have a um, Mets jersey with number 16 on it, uh, and his name taped up on the dugout wall, and apparently some other teams have also uh, done that. And uh, I I'm sure tomorrow evening will be a uh, must-see or a very sad, uh, I don't know how to word it even at this point, uh, but it'll be have something you have to see, uh, how they do the before the Mets-Marlins uh, game, and uh, it's going to be a crazy night tomorrow night with the debate, and uh, now this, so uh, lots, lots of things to... Um, to keep an eye on and watch uh, if you're uh, a news kind of junkie. Um, but uh, just, just um, you know, it, it, it's so young and uh, at, at the really of a career that was just exploding and just uh, very terribly sad. Yeah, and as we talked uh, again before the show. Uh, you had mentioned that Fernandez's start was put off. He was supposed to start today, 
on Sunday afternoon against the Braves, but the Marlins thought that it would be better to start him on Monday night against the New York Mets. Uh, given the wild card implications, possibly, of the game, even though the, the Marlins are still you know, a far ways away from a wild card appearance, but they felt that they should throw uh, Fernandez at the Mets. And uh, as we speculated a little bit before the show, if they hadn't have done that, if, 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 just all these events play back in your mind and start to make you think about uh, if, you know, if something wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and uh, perhaps on our part, it's not, you know, not the right thing to uh, speculate about because uh, I, I guess in the end, when it's your turn, it's your turn. Um, but you do wonder uh, how had he had he been scheduled to pitch today, would he have been out that late? Perhaps, uh, perhaps not. If in fact it was reported that this is common practice that this the owner of the boat took out a lot of these a lot of players knew a lot of the Marlins players took them out on the boat um, quite a bit. So. Uh, just, uh, you know, what can you say? I know our good friend uh, Frank Conti, who covered the Marlins for many years now, covering the Twins, uh, he was very uh, terribly saddened by uh, this and uh, remembers his young son playing catch with uh, Jose Fernandez. So uh, everybody has their memories and especially in the sports world uh, of, of uh, him and uh, what it means to them. And uh, they've all been on MLB network today. So if you want to tune in, there may be still some, uh, some memories of uh, Jose Fernandez, but uh, just, just, um, just a terrible thing for the game and for the Marlins. Yeah, and of course, uh, Fernandez came from Cuba, as does Massimo Puig, who is very torn apart by the news. Apparently, Fernandez has offered his assistance to uh, tootling Puig a little bit, trying to help him get on the right path, a type of, uh, bigger brother type of guy, even though he's probably younger. Yeah, I think he is, but but uh, you know they were torn apart. Masio uh, Puig and also Cespedes in the Mets dugout. He was yes. the one hung the sixteen jersey up tape. Uh, they have some pictures of that and some videos. I think the Mets tweeted that out. Uh, just a real tragic circumstance. I know those guys probably are very close. Well, it's yeah, it's a it's a fellow countryman, and uh, just just a sad day for the game. I hate to keep repeating that, Rich, but uh, you know sometimes words just escape you. Yeah, so we'll for sure miss Jose Fernandez, and even though he was only twenty four, he made a big impact on the game. Very positive kind of a guy. Uh, there were some quotes saying, you know. Sometimes the brightest lights are the ones that are extinguished the soonest. I'm not so sure you know, how that plays out, but you know, basically, I guess it means that 
some good people do die young at times. So a whole lot more news coming up on this uh, outside of our show as the weeks go on. I'm sure there'll be investigation into the accident, mm-hmm. how it happens. Um, you know, that the area looked well marked. I live near Atlantic City, New Jersey, which has a few jetties and there's buoys and markers and anybody that uh, takes a boat out in that area generally knows where these are. So extraordinary circumstances that probably caused this accident. And um, sometimes these things aren't even found out, though, uh, especially when it pertains to boating accidents. It's not like a, a car I don't think they have computers on board like cars do that record, um, you know, what happens on that vehicle or vessel. But and just a tragedy there, and uh, we we hope to take from it and get better from it, learn from it, and uh, our heartfelt condolences to the family and all everybody uh, that liked uh, Jose. Yes, exactly, Rich. And uh, what else do we have on the agenda? Well, some happier news, some more empowering type of news. You saw the World Baseball Classic just the other day. Yeah, Rich. uh, Friday, I had the uh, pleasure to go see um, the World Baseball Classic qualifier. There was it was happening all weekend in Brooklyn. This is the final qualifier for country to get in to the World Baseball Classic, which will take place start in March. And uh, there were four teams vying for positions, and they were Israel, Brazil, Great Britain, and Pakistan. And uh, in the uh, first day on uh, Thursday. Uh, Great Britain lost to Israel 5-2. to two, And Brazil defeated uh, Pakistan 10 nothing. So uh, on uh, the day that I went, Israel met Brazil. And, uh, and, and I got to tell you, it was one of the... I went to the day game. It was one of the best games I've ever seen of baseball in my life. Not Not that it was crisp and clean and everything like that, but it was just such a pressure cooker it was a one nothing final it was a well-pitched game but some great defensive plays along the way brazil had tons of opportunities to uh to score and i mean you know one out guys on third base and the pitcher gets out of the jam pop up strike out whatever beautiful play shortstop uh, uh one instant um just a terrific game one of the best ones i've seen and then that night in the uh, first elimination game, uh, Great Britain defeated Pakistan. So Pakistan has been eliminated. And then uh, last evening, Great Britain played again. They played um, uh, Brazil and law- eliminated Brazil. So tonight will be the final game to see who gets in between Great Britain and Israel. Uh, should be an interesting game. They met in the first game, as I said, and, and Israel was defeated them. And uh, I, it, it's it's a different kind of a ball game, Rich. There's a lot of guys, you know, when you say Israel, you think there's a lot of guys from Israel. There was hardly any, mostly it's Americans playing. Um, Pakistan was probably the only team uh, 
I believe they did not have a minor or a major league affiliation at all. They didn't have any players that affiliated. There's a lot of minor league players. Uh, the Mets have a guy, Champ Stewart, that played at the AAA this year, and he was playing for Great Britain. Uh, Israel had um, a lot of former major leaguers. Ike Davis uh, and Josh Satin played for the Mets. Jason Marquis, who pitched for uh, St. Louis and some other teams, he he was playing for Team Israel. Um, um, gee, can't remember who else, but uh, uh, Brazil's manager was Barry Larkin, the Hall of Famer, uh, who did not sign autographs uh, before the game. I might just add that. And uh, they also had uh, Bo Bichette, who is the son of Dante Bichette, and I believe Dante Bichette Jr. was also on the Brazil team. So uh, a lot of minor leaguers, a lot of ex-former major leaguers. and uh, But it really um, it was something to see the crowds and to see how a, a, a tournament like this could really start a... Um, um, I don't want to say revolution, but could really ignite a passion for the game of baseball, and that's a good thing all around the world. And and uh, Pakistan team was not very good, but you know they tried hard, and uh, they're very new to the sport. So who knows? Uh, as they they play more and become more tuned to it, they'll learn the nuances of the game and. Maybe a little bit better in years to come, but it was just a, it was a wonderful experience, and uh, I would definitely go in a couple of game, years if they have it again in Brooklyn. They had it at the home of the Cyclones, the Brooklyn Cyclones, at their park, and just a lot of fun. Had a great day, and uh, I wished I could have. I'm sorry I didn't. Uh, <clears throat> if it didn't take me uh, two and a half hours to get home with traffic. Because the belt, anybody that lives in New York, the Bell Parkway is a disaster, and it's always packed. And if I lived closer, I would have got the whole strip for the whole games and been there like every day. But uh, I was happy to go to the one game that I attended and really enjoyed it. That's very cool. Of course, in March, uh, kick it off again at the Tokyo Dome. Pool A teams, which include Japan, Cuba. China and Australia will be playing March 7th through 10th, 2017 at the Tokyo Dome. And I believe the championship round, uh, there's going to be two rounds in 2017. Um, Seoul is going to host one round. Miami will host another round. Uh, Some of the teams playing in Miami will be the U.S., Dominican Republic, Canada, and Colombia. That'll be down at Marlins Park. And let's see, the other venue we're going to be holding uh, first round is Guadalajara. So uh, very interesting there. And there's going to be a second round of uh, playoffs till you get to the championship round. The second round is going to be held in Tokyo and San Diego. And then the championship round will take place in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. March 20th through 22nd, 2017. So very cool stuff there. As as you said, Gary, that's going to bring some more fans into the game. And, of course, 
we even have a lot of listeners from our shows here at uh, Baseball Talk Radio Podcast and also your show, Mets Musings and Phillies Talk Podcast that come from all over Europe, uh, mainly England. But uh, it's so great to have other people from other countries start to like baseball. It certainly is, and 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 it's interesting to see how um, you know uh, how it's growing in these different countries. And just a little side note, I had I learned something very important. I when we were online, it was a lot of, uh, and I, I don't mean to. I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but there were a lot of uh, Asian people. I didn't know what part of Asia they were from, but it was Asian people with Brazil hats and jerseys on. And uh, I, I got, I found it very interesting. And, and I read up when I got home that there is a large population of people from Southeast Asia and South Asia and Japan that live in Brazil, that migrated to Brazil. And I never knew that. And it was just fascinating to um, to see all of these as I said, you know, these Asian people, and, and I don't mean any disrespect, I hope that's not disrespectful in any way, but rooting for Brazil. And I, I just thought it was a wonderful thing that uh, the crossovers and there was a lot, of course, New York is is a very Jewish city as well. And there were a lot of Jewish people rooting for Israel, probably more than there were <laughs> uh, people rooting for Brazil, but that was to be expected. It was in Brooklyn. It was in New York, so, um, but it was a lot, uh, uh, a lot of merchandise being sold for Israel and and Brazil and Great Britain, and that was nice to see as well to see all of the Israel team Israel jerseys and and hats and uh, as well as the Brazil hats and and uh, just just a, it was just a wonderful thing. I left with a very good feeling. Um, for the world of of baseball, and you almost wish you know could if we could settle some of these issues that we have in the world with these other countries on a baseball field, what a better place it would be. Yeah, you would think. You know, um, it brings a lot of people together, a lot of fans from uh, other countries, as you said, uh, fans that you don't necessarily uh, relate here in the U.S. with the sport, but. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great to see, and uh, hopefully it'll catch on, get the public's attention a little bit more. And I think you had told me that that's being broadcast on uh, MLB.TV. Uh, all the games were streamed on uh, World Baseball Classic, and tonight's game, I believe, is going to be on MLB Network itself, the championship, at 6. Uh, if I'm check your local listings um, for that, but I believe it's on uh, ML the actual network tonight. Oh, very cool, and of course, yeah, I'm looking at my MLB.tv. It'll also be on there. So plenty of places to see it. Of course, we have some great Sunday night baseball taking place tonight. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Chicago Cubs. It'll be ESPNs. Game of the week, Sunday night baseball. There, and that's a big game uh, from my point of view because uh, it is the Cardinals go Cubs, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Mets and the Cubs. I mean, the Mets and the Cardinals and the Giants are fighting for the wild card in the National League with the 
Mets and the Giants tied, and the Cubs a half game out. Um, if we can get rid of the Cubs and, and keep pace with the Giants, we're in good shape uh, as far as the Mets go because they have the tiebreaker over the Giants. So if uh, the Mets were to end up in a dead heat with the uh, Giants, they would be the first wild card because they have the uh, the tiebreaker. And um, that's good news for the Mets fans. So, um, you know, we want to bury the Cardinals, but uh, I always want to bury the Cardinals, Rich. I'm never, I'm not a Cardinal fan. <laughs> So uh, let's bury the Cardinals completely, and uh, uh, let's hope uh, that that occurs. And, and we have three uh, three divisions clinched now, Rich. Yeah, it's all but done. I'm I'm surprised the Dodgers haven't clinched yet. Uh, I believe they're very close to clinching. Uh, they've been on fire, seven and three in their last ten. Only a matter of time for them now. Uh, to clinch that division. But as you said, yeah, the uh, wild card race, still a little interesting. Uh, it's a three-team race with the Mets, Giants, and Cardinals. I don't think anyone else has a legitimate chance uh, in the National League. But over in the American League, you've got Toronto. They're, they're up a game and a half over the next team for that wild card spot. And Baltimore currently is in that second spot followed closely by the Tigers. The resurgent Tigers seems to have come out of nowhere. And I guess you could throw the Mariners in there at two and a half games back as a kind of a dark horse to make the wild card. Yeah, and of course, uh, Detroit actually had knocked Baltimore out there for uh, a day or so and uh, had a big loss. Detroit did, and Baltimore happened to win two in a row as Detroit lost yesterday and uh, reclaimed that spot. So that's, that's going to be a fascinating race this week. This is going to be something to watch, the Baltimore scores and the Detroit games, to see. Uh, looks like Toronto, they've been handling the Yankees pretty well. I don't know what the score is today, uh, but uh, they've been handling the Yankees the last couple of days. So they are... Uh, they're looking better at the, at the first wild card spot, but uh, I think Boston's got that. Uh, they got a three game magic number, so that's looking pretty good for Boston. I think they're gonna win that division, and of course, Cleveland has a two game over Detroit, and um, that they should do that in no time. And Texas has already clinched. The uh, Western Division and the, uh, I hate to say it, the Washington Nationals, congratulations, they clinched the Eastern Division of the National League. The Cubs, of course, have already uh, clinched uh, theirs and the home field advantage. And, of course, as you said, the uh, Dodges are on the verge. I think if San Francisco loses today, they will clinch the division and or if they win. So it's a combination of a winner or a loss. And uh, San Francisco's going with a uh, guy that never started a game before in the major leagues, a, a rookie, pitched a couple of times out of the minors. So don't know if that's a good call. But, um, I'm, I mean, I'm happy about it <laughs> as a Met fan. and uh, Because the Mets are, uh, I hate to say it, Rich, but they're up 6 nothing against your Phillies in the seventh. 
They have first and second with the one out. Um, almost came back last night, Rich, on the Phillies. Phillies almost blew that 10 nothing lead. Yeah, I remember I sent a tweet out that said they should fire <laughs> the, the whole coaching staff at the plate. if the Phillies drop that 10 <laughs> lead they had on the Mets. And as you said, yeah, they almost coughed that one up too. Yeah, and uh, as they, the Las Vegas boys uh, were bringing the game back for the Mets, uh, Terry Collins had pulled out all the starters or, or a number of the key starters, the four four key starters, and uh, the young guys, uh, the hungry guys, they, they were uh, digging in and trying to come back against the Phillies, and it, it makes it's going to make an interesting picture for the Mets next year because we may have found some, you know, finally gotten some hitters in in the uh, minor leagues. We'll see if they can do it over a long term, of course. But a couple uh, at one point they had uh, three first round draft picks uh, batting in a row, and uh, but I don't think it was in a, the correct year order. But nonetheless. Uh, they had uh, Michael Conforto and Gavin Caccini and uh, Brandon Nimmo all come up right in a row, and they were all for former first-round picks in the Mets. So uh, maybe there's some uh, good good coming out of this as well. But uh, that was a it was a bad loss, and and it would have been an awful loss for you guys. Uh, how'd you get it? But there's some talent on that Philadelphia team. The, the defense is not very good. I like that kid Hernandez at second. And I know this isn't a Philly or, or, or Met uh, podcast, but I do like that Caesar Hernandez, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like a tough, tough player. He looks like a good, good, good player. Yeah, he's just really come into his own in the last couple of months of the season. Uh, he's He had been talked about possibly not the team next year uh, we've got some younger guys coming up but I think as you said he's probably sealed his uh, job for next year uh, he's almost up to 300 with his batting average been doing very well lately and as you said you know the Phillies have a lot of things to fine tune still it'll be interesting to see um, how these wild card games play out and of course they're right around the corner as well they Start up in the first week of October, which we're just about there. So uh, within two weeks, we'll be watching wild card baseball. That's certainly true. And next Sunday, it's all over for the regular season, right? So uh, hard to believe. And uh, I get a little sad this time of the year. And that's why I think I enjoyed it, the uh, world baseball game so much because it was I was in a stadium again for another time and. Uh, today is the Mets' last home game, and I, I'm sad to say that I was only able to get to one game this year. And uh, but I did manage to get to a bunch of minor league games, so I guess that kind of evens it out. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, I I don't like this timing. <laughs> don't like it, the end of baseball. We were going to have a guest on today's show. Uh, from Baltimore, uh, they do a podcast called Bird's Eye View, and we'll postpone their appearance to another show uh, with all the breaking news that we had today. But that was the story in Baltimore just uh, last week in the uh, local Baltimore paper. 
Uh, the articles were all about how the Orioles are not drawing, and they're, they're almost a playoff team themselves. They were getting 23,000 into the stadium. Uh, they wanted to know why in the newspapers. You know, they had some articles. So hopefully we'll be able to get the uh, Bird's Eye View podcast on to talk to us about the situation even down there in Baltimore. And, you know, a lot of the same things that I read from fans are some things that you could probably say at any other ballpark and why they're not attending a lot of games. And uh, so we'll have that for you on a future show of the baseball talk radio podcast. But we also have another big story today, Gary, uh, it's the last home game for the Mets. But it's also the last home game of the LA Dodgers and Mr. Vin Scully been doing Dodger games for umpteen years now. I think 62 years, something like that. Some ungodly number like that, but uh, <laughs> his last Dodger home game apparently. Uh, and I say apparently because nobody knows if he may want to do some Dodger playoff games. And the Dodgers said that that would be perfectly fine with them if he... Uh, <laughs> Here. I'm free. I just crashed. But let's listen to some of Vin Scully's top five calls of the game with Dodger baseball here. We've decided that we will come back with the Dodgers for next year. It's time for Dodger baseball. <laughs> Well, we say a belated happy birthday to an icon of the Dodgers and the sports world. Vince Scully turned 84 years old on Tuesday. Our tribute to his career was preempted by breaking news last night. So you've waited 24 hours tonight. It is our pleasure to present to you the top five greatest call by Vince Scully. Number five. Two out. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the back. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. The 1986 World Series, Bill Buckner's gaffe immortalized by Vin Scully's voice. The mother of all errors propelled the Mets to the title and misery for Red Sox fans. Number four. Ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. This ball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. Only Vin Scully could do justice to one of the most important home runs in baseball history. Hank Aaron breaks the most hallowed record in sports when he hit home run number 715. Number three. Third and three. We'll see a pickup sometime on the right side, possibly. Montana. Looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Caught it. Right Bet you didn't know Vin was behind the mic for the catch. The 1982 NFC Championship game, Joe Montana, finding Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone and breaking the hearts of Cowboy fans. Number two. Two and two to Harvey Keene. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. One out and missed the perfect game. Vin's call in what some consider perhaps the greatest game ever pitched, Sandy Koufax's perfect game against the Cubs, September 9th, 1965. 14 strikeouts are the most ever in a perfecto. It was Sandy's fourth no-hitter. And now, number one. 
Who will ever forget his magical call for possibly the greatest moment in L.A. sports history? Kirk Gibson's walk-off homer in Game 1 of the 1988 World Series, our number one Vin Scully call of all time. We could stay here all night and go. We should do- that was uh, KTLA News out in Los Angeles with their top five uh, Vin Scully calls. And, gosh, it almost brought me back. When Matt Stairs hit one out on the Dodgers to seal the Phillies victory out there, I don't think they would have picked that one, though. Uh, <laughs> no. And, of course, with the Kirk Gibson home run, the famous call is by Jack Buck, which uh, was, I believe, on a television call. And, uh, of course, I never agreed with that call either because he said he he doesn't believe what he just saw. Well, the guy hit a home run. I mean, come on. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But Vince Gully, uh, I think I would have made number one the Bucknick call. I kind of like that. Um, the first Bucknick call, the number five with the in the 86 World Series, of course, uh, one of the great moments for Met fans. And um, uh Oddly enough, I think four also mentioned Buck, Buckner was playing the outfield because he said Buckner goes back. So two calls involving Bill Buckner, I guess one with the Dodgers when he was with the Dodgers and one with the Red Sox. Uh, but uh, what can you say? Um, Vince Scully, uh, one of the greatest careers. I mean, he started, goes all the way back to Bobby Thompson's home run, shot heard around the world against Ralph Branker and the Brooklyn Dodgers in 51. And was in a booth for that. And, of course, the famous call from that, um, people forget. It was like that was one of the first games that was broadcast and radio. And it was like, I think at one point somebody said it was like four or five different calls of that. It was the uh, uh, Red Barber call, I think, on the the Dodger Network. And then there was a a, a regular network call because they first time one of the networks did a, did a game I believe or one of the first time, and then of course the famous call was the um, uh, oh my gosh the name escapes me right now um, was the Giants um, got heard around the world was that is that uh, yeah that? yeah but it was. Uh, Russ, uh, I can't. Russ Nixon was it? I can't remember uh, exactly the Giants' name. The announcer's name. I'm looking it up real quick to see if I can find it. Um, but you know the call: the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant, and they're going crazy. The Giants win the pennant. Um, yeah, the shot heard around the world. I think is. Is what they That's say. what they called it, yeah. And the Miracle of Coogan's Bluff. It had all kinds of names. But um, I think it was Russ Nixon that made that. Russ Hodges. Russ Hodges made that call. And, of course, that's the famous call that you always hear um, because of the excitement. He was the Giants announcer. But uh, I think or- Ernie Harwell also made a call of that game. Red Barber, as I mentioned. And I'm reading Gordon McLendon also made the call. So, uh, I, you know, I've heard the Red Barber call when you compare it to the uh, Russ Hodges call. Um, it, it's so, so different because Red Barber was doing a Brooklyn game and it was sort of like, 
there's a high fireball and it's gone or something like that. It was just so, so, you know, <laughs> like, oh, darn, <laughs> there it yeah. goes. Whereas, you know, the Russ Hodges call was just plain nuts, but, uh, which also got uh, mentioned in a movie that Billy Crystal did a few years back and with uh, Bette Midler, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but uh, uh, go check out uh, the, the Billy uh, Crystal <laughs> uh, Bette Midler movie, and he's an announcer in that, and uh, it's, it's kind of involved. But uh, we got a little gremlins popping up today now, Rich, but... Um, yeah, but Vince Scully had some of the great calls of all time and round the world. Uh, we got those gremlins coming in here. Uh, <laughs> call the game there as it happened, unadulterated. And uh, yeah, they, <laughs> that was a crazy call where, you know, you can't predict those type of calls. Yeah, and you know Vince Scully is really the last of uh, last of a breed of those kind of announcers. You know, um, now we have more guys that are, are doing network stuff as well as local teams. So you don't have uh, in those days they really didn't. There was no network baseball. So um, and they didn't have analysts. A lot of these guys they handled everything themselves and. And and we've kind of uh, seen the end of that uh, one man booth, and and he's really um, I don't want to say a dinosaur, but he's really the last link to those great announcers, the Red Barbers, the Mel Allens, the um, Lindsey Nelsons, the the uh, the Russ Hodges, the Ernie Harwells uh, in, in Detroit, and uh, you know. Those guys are are all gone now, and it's kind of a shame. It's kind of sad in a way because they were quite. We're old enough, or I, I'm definitely old enough to remember a lot of those guys, and uh, it, it's kind of a shame. But you know, he's had some career and looks in good health, and probably could go on another few years, but. Uh, Go enjoy life for a while, Vince, and, uh, you know, and just just have a good time with the time that's left uh, for you. Very good advice there for Vince Scully, and, yeah, he'll be missed behind the mic, but as you said, he'll uh, he'll be just fine in retirement, and we wish him well. And uh, we thank you for joining us on this podcast, our podcast. Sixth edition of our first season of this brand new show, the Baseball Talk Radio Podcast. Got a whole lot of guests being planned out for the off season, and of course, a lot of baseball talk to go with the playoffs, the World Series coming up, 2016. 
I hope you'll subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Went over and check those places out. Hear all of our shows. You can even hear some of our back shows. And Gary, you have a great week. We'll do it all again next week on the Baseball Talk Radio Show. Okay, Rich. Can't wait.